Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. We have been in a progression that started. I, I, I don't teach series messages, let alone line out my messages like many of my friends do for the next year. I bring whatever I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying each week, and it's been amazing, this progression that's been going on with this whole thing around pray, pray, pray. Last fall we said that one of our key words for 2022 was pray. Part of our vision for the year was pray. And this series of weeks that's led up to today has just been incredible. Now you can ask um, the person who sends me the the worship list every week and she will tell you that I didn't know what was going to be for our worship set this morning until yesterday afternoon when this message was largely fleshed out. In fact, totally fleshed out. I just had to package it right this morning. And yet every single song and the order in which they came and the lyrics that were spoken and sung ties directly into that progression of weeks and into this message this morning. So just join me in thanking Holy Spirit. He's so good. You can see on the screen the title of this message. I don't say this lightly. I've brought hundreds of messages lots of places. This may be one of the most important messages I've ever brought anywhere. For this church and for this region, rather than my leading out in prayer, if somebody that by now probably has earned some credibility and some trust says that, maybe there's something to it. And so I would like you to pray for the blessing on this message and to pray for me that I get me out of the way and let God speak. So please, in your own language or in your spiritual language, with your mouth open and lips moving, just take 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and pray for this message and pray for me. Ready, set, and go. Thank you. For all of you who prayed the long prayer, I'd like to meet after church because you're my kind. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm going to tell you the truth. For, it, it, it would be fair to ask me, how come you never teach on Second Chronicles 7.14? How come you've never brought a message on that in all those years? For so long I have wanted to. I've wanted to find a way to treat that scripture that is so familiar to most of us or all of us in the way that it 
deserves. So, I get to do that this morning, I hope. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to rise as you say this out loud, please do so. Otherwise, let's just speak this out loud. If my people... Now, do you see that little comma at the front of it? You see, that's my biggest single temptation because I am a Bible nerd. There must be something that goes before that comma. And I could spend all day telling you what it is and why it's so important and why it's so cool and why this, if you just know that, oh my gosh, how much more this scripture would mean. But I'm not going to do that this morning. Just know that if you go back and read Second Chronicles chapter 6, and the rest of chapter 7. It will light up your life. Now let's go ahead and detonate that scripture. Let's just lo- unleash the power that's in it. Let's reveal the beauty and the compassion and the power that it contains. First, let's break it down into un- its component parts. So, next slide, please. There's all of its grammatical chunks. So we're just going to take a few minutes and walk through that progression. And I hope it's not going to be boring like so often expository teaching can be. But there's nothing wrong with expository teaching. I love it because Scripture's alive. My people, my people. If you read the context of this verse, it's, it's to the Israelites. In other words, it would be today to the ecclesia. That's us, the church. Who are called by my name. Next slide, please. We'll come back to this slide toward the end of the message. Most of you know I grew up in southwestern Montana. You may have read in the news that Rupert Murdoch recently purchased the Matador Cattle Company in southwestern Montana. He paid $200 million, over $200 million for it. And that's a ranch that I know extremely well, and I grew up around. In fact, it's so close to my home that when I was uh, a young lad, we would bicycle out to the Matador. That's how close to my hometown it is. It's not a small ranch. You can see there that uh, it started in 1865 and it goes 340,000 acres. These are actual pictures from the Matador Ranch. I've been every one of those places. Now, to give you some idea of scale, Lyon County, there are people from many counties here this morning, but let's just talk about Lyon County. It's 2,000 square miles, and our current population is about 61,000 people. My home county today is Beaverhead County. It's 5,600 square miles and 9,400 people. 
Kids rode 75 miles one way over three mountain passes by bus to come to high school. The Matador, when I was a kid, was called the P&O, the P&O, because in 1865, two men named Poindexter and Orr were traveling toward Bannock, which was the first territorial capital of Montana, and a major gold strike. It's just like Virginia City here, except gold. And they couldn't get any farther than where they stopped, right there, and they formed the, the Poindexter and or livestock. We called it the P&O. The first registered brand in Montana when they began the brand book was from the P&O livestock. And let's see, Randy, could you walk over there and pick up that hunk of iron and bring it, please? Again today, the, in 1951, the Koch brothers, the famous... Um, industrialists from Kansas purchased the P&O and they renamed it the Matador, Matador Cattle Company. But the P&O was founded in 1865, first registered brand. This is an actual branding iron I've had all my life from the P&O. It's the real thing. It's been used. And uh, it's called the square in the compass and if you think it looks like Masonry, you're right. It does. Today, again, about 340,000 acres. Rupert Murdoch paid $200 million for it. They, when I was a kid, uh, we lived in town, and the house in which we lived had a basement, a first floor, and a second floor. And on the second floor, facing the street we lived, was my mother's sewing room. And um, you could go to my mother's sewing room because every year, twice a year, the cattle drives would happen because the railroad stockyards were just behind my house across the, I can't say creek because I'm talking about Montana. They were across the creek. And, uh, <laughs> so it was across the creek and behind us was the Union Pacific stockyards where all of the cattle and sheep were shipped in and out, uh, throughout the seasons. And so vivid recollections, and I'll tell you about sheep some other time because that's good message too, but the cattle from the Matador Ranch, they would drive 10,000 pairs, if I recall correctly. I may not, but I think it was 10,000 pairs through town to the stockyards, drop the calves off and drive and so forth. So that would take two or three days. And you couldn't get out the front of our house because they came down our street. Yes, there was a mess in the street. Yes, there was a mess in our yard. Yes, things got trampled, all that. But we could sit up in our in my mom's sewing room and just watch the cowboys and the cattle go by for days. That gives you some idea. If you got in your car and drove to Yarrington, that's 50 miles, you can drive for 50 miles in a straight line and never leave Matador property. When the cattle go by, they were a brand. You could tell they were, they attended the Matador Cattle Company. Now there are some of us who put bumper stickers on our car, or fish on our trunk, or window stickers, or license plate frames. Now, Maybe some of us who do that might be just cattle.
my people who are called by my name. Those ones. Then there are the cowboys. You see, I grew up learning the cowboy way. When you ride for a brand, you ride for the brand. And when some other cowboy from some other brand disses your ranch or your brand or your cattle or tries to steal your stuff, God help you. Because I ride for the brand. I am loyal to the brand. When I saddle that horse, I ride for the brand. Now, there are some of us who ride for the brand. Is it the Baptist denomination? Is it the non-denomination? Is it the home church? Is it the Democrat Party? Is it the Republican Party? Is it, I ride for the brand. I'm loyal. I'll fight you if you diss the brand. That's the cowboys and the cowboy. And I like the cowboy way. I still am trying to get shed of it in many ways. Ride for the brand. What brand? It's an external thing, isn't it? Now, the boss, when we were younger, of the Matador Cattle Company was a lovely gentleman named Marion Cross. Marion liked my wife very much because she was uh, in business and he was a client of hers. It's no small deal to get Marion Cross for your client because he ran this whole thing. I used to... uh, when I was in college, but long before I ever even knew there was a sherry on the planet, there was a gang of us that, you know, went to the Western bars and we rode, a, we wore our Western clothing and we danced Western dances. And I, there's a gal with, from whom we get a Christmas card every year that I used to dance with. And her brother, Ray, became the overall boss of the Matador Cattle Company. I know Ray well and his wife, Susan. That's where I got those pictures with Susan Mark. She took them. Mark, sir, sorry. I hope we cut that other recording. I wasn't supposed to say it. You see, Marion was the Matador Cattle Company. He just didn't just have the brand on him. He didn't just ride for the brand. He spoke for the Matador Cattle. He spoke for the Koch brothers, billionaires. He spoke for 340,000 acres. Right now, there's about 4,000 elk on this ranch, about 1,500 deer. They estimate about 800 antelope. There's one stream alone that runs 28 miles uninterrupted full of trout on that ranch. That's just one of them. Marion was the Matador Cattle Company. He didn't just wear it. He lived it. My people who are called by my name. Those ones. They don't just wear the brand. They don't just ride for the brand. They don't just manage the brand. You know what they do? They abide. They abide. They implement. They transform. They influence and transform. Listen, I've said so many times, why do we get so angry at unbelievers who act like unbelievers? We are who bears responsibility for the change. My people. 
the ones I gave my name to, God says. The government of heaven rests upon those who are gathered in his name, be it the two or three or more. It's from our knees that we have the greatest effect on the world around us. We are to represent his heart. Heart connection with God is what makes the difference. Righteous influence is born in prayer. My people who are called by my name. Let's look at what that means and does. Next slide, please. This is Jesus the Christ. This is, this is the Jesus who created the universe. This is the Jesus who is the head of all. The Jesus who laid down his privilege and walked with you and me. This is Emmanuel Jesus. It's also Rose of Sharon Jesus. It's also Prince of Peace Jesus. It's also God and King Jesus. It's the Lamb of God, the Son of Man, the King of all kings, the, the Lord of all lords. That's who says these things. Just going to let them scroll by. Read them, but read them aloud over yourself. Just think that that's who says these things. In my name. In my name. In my name. For decades, I believed that was formulaic. I needed to end every prayer within the name of Jesus. That's, that is what it means, but it stops about two billion miles short of it. In my name means of me. In my name means you're Marian Cross for the kingdom of God. In my name means you carry the very kingdom of God. In my name means you look like, smell like, taste like, sound like, act like me. In my name means you're, you're, you're a shareholder in my company. In my name means you carry the very government of heaven. In my name means of me. As me. It carries mercy, compassion. It carries authority, power. It carries allowing myself to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. It carries allowing myself to be discipled. It carries I'm not at all who I used to be. And I'm still on my way to becoming a becomer. It means my life is not my own. It means my life truly in every way is his. It means when people run across me, they have seen Jesus, thereby They've caught a glimpse. They've caught a glimpse of the Father. The Father who was only ever good. The Father whose heart and mind are perfect 
and loving. In my name. May we please see slide three again. We're moving past this and into the rest of the prayer. Humble themselves. In the beginning of the pandemic, I heard a well-known prophet say, quote, humility is the way forward, unquote. Man, that just resonated. I still believe that's the case. It sure has worked for us. Every invitation we've gotten to rear up on our hind feet and confront how people are wrong, betraying, lying, deceived. Every invitation we get to be insulted and offended, we've done our best. We've done our best to go low. Wow, has it worked. Humility is the way forward. Aligning with, agreeing with the heart and mind of God, a favorite author of mine, Ed Silvoso, said this, 98% of answers to prayer is abiding in Christ. That's a guy who ought to know. Humble myself and pray and pray and pray and pray. How dumb, how silly, how foolish is it to leave unused the greatest single means of transformation? The moral cesspool, the confusion, the deception, the lack, the defeat, the fear and anxiety, and everything else that has arisen all around us has happened on our watch. The face of God is what we're invited to pursue. Yet we are warned anyone who sees his face dies. Come and die, he says. Every time we come close to the face of the Lord, something that shouldn't be alive in us dies. Picture the hand of God. From that come his deeds, his miracles, his signs, his wonders, and more. Now picture the face of God. Eyes, nose, mouth. Picture the face of God. What comes from that? Oh, just mercy, compassion, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment, discernment of spirits. What else? Oh, declaration, decree, prophecy, most of all. What comes from the face of God? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Never-ending. Constant. Steadfast. Forgiveness. And seek my face and seek my face and seek my face. Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings before church for years on end we offer 
seek. It's not just a gathering. It's not about a service we provide. You are not consumers. You are transformers. That's why I have so doggedly pursued seek for so ridiculously long, despite its making so little sense and seemingly so little progress. I won't quit until he tells me to, because this is why we do it. The eyes, the heart, the mind of a loving father recalibrated every value I ever had in my soul. He needs groups of people that get recalibrated. Things that were important when I'm in his presence, things that were important ten minutes ago, diminish. Things that frustrated me, angered me, bothered me, don't even have the bite they used to. The Father's countenance, His face, absorb it all. Seek His face. Seek my face. Turn from our wicked ways. You know, that's really not that hard. Turning to superior is turning away from the inferior. Turning from unto. It's just not that hard, especially when the Holy Spirit is ready to help at every turn. He welcomes us regardless of condition, regardless of attitude, of feeling, of situation. Come as you are, we say, and we say we really mean it. So does he. But you can't leave in the same condition if you've done the foregoing. You can't. Bring all your baggage, every bit of it. Call the bellhop. Call, call. what do they call that at the airport? The sky whatever? It depends along so we've traveled. I can't remember. Sky cap. Call the sky. Bring carts of your baggage. And you can't. And you get to leave it there. You leave without it. You can't leave in the same condition. You see, in the journey to the face and heart of God, you get refined. And what happens is you end up, before you even know it, you end up all in. Revealing the heart of God reveals and restores my very reason for being. Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2 says, May God... Be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And then it says, Selah. And that means pause in his presence, we think. That's what Selah means. Verse 2 says, That your way, Father's way, may be known on earth, your saving power under all nations. Why seek his face? <laughs> It's, it is a lot like this. Have you ever been, have you ever seen a parent who picks up an infant and says the silliest things and makes the silliest faces to the infant? Stuff you would never say or do in your mirror. 
Right? And it doesn't even matter so much who's standing around. Oh, yeah, I'm an idiot with an infant. I'll, I'll, I'm utterly foolish. It just seems to come out of me. It just seems to come out of you. Infants are trained into a lifestyle of joy through the countenance of their caregiver. How many of you know kids, teens, adults, when you look back at their lack of joy, you will find a caregiver who didn't be utterly ridiculous to them when they were an infant. I I, I never got that. Most of my life I've been accused of being too serious. Seriously. I had to learn joy from someone else. Through someone else. I didn't get it innately. That's your heavenly father. He, Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. When you do that thing out of numbers, the blessing, that song you sing, that's his countenance. That's how he sees you when you come to him honestly. He picks you up like an infant and goo-goos at you and makes funny faces and he's just, he just, he, oh, good Lord, you're a poem he created before the foundation of the earth. Of course he does. Of course he does. Of course that's what he thinks of you. Then I will hear from heaven. You know, the Bible says he does not always hear. In fact, it says in Psalm 66, verse 18, it says that if I carry iniquity in my heart, if I know what's there and yet I just carry it, I maybe some translations say cherish, some translations say regard. If I carry that in my heart, more or less intentionally, he won't listen. He doesn't hear my prayers. So what communion, when we say come before the Lord, you know, just no pretense, just wide open, naked and unashamed with all your junk. That's why. That's why. Because if you do that, you stand a half decent chance of encountering the perfect, loving heart and mind of the Father. Do you see now why repentance is so powerful? Does it begin to make more sense? It isn't just something I resist or don't resist. I kind of like my Heavenly Father to listen to my prayers and to embrace me and to bless me so that I may be transformed, so that I may become a becomer who transforms everything that's under my influence and the world around me. Then I will forgive their sin, it says next. That's a personal blessing. That's a blessing unto me. Then I will forgive John's sin. And heal their land. That's corporate influence. (laughs) Bless that little chubby 
blonde-haired guy. And then I'll give him influence to shift a region, in my case, or shift a family in somebody else's case, or shift a marriage in somebody else's case, or shift a workplace in somebody else's case. I give them corporate influence when they've done that. How about, would you like some, some more territory? In the worlds that matter to you? The personal breakthrough becomes an influence that heals and transforms the land. That is the culture, the situation, the well-being of everything around you that he has planted you in the middle of. Oh, this prayer. You got lots of time? Wonderful. Go for it. Have you, anybody else ever been utterly lost in the presence? Hours go by. You're just, oh, seeking his face, and it's just, I don't know where the day went. Yes, I have. I've lost all track of time seeking his face. But remember also that history has been shaped by people who prayed very simple prayers. But they were all in. All in. Generals, presidents, governors, inventors, entrepreneurs, so many of the wonderful things that have happened over history have happened as a result of a very simple prayer of a man or a woman all in. Now, we get to do it all the time. We live in a nation and a country and in and an environment where most of us have the luxury of not being overly concerned from where our next meal will come. Where our, do we have shelter? We have health care. Many of us, some of us, we didn't for years, but we do now. Do you see what I'm saying? We're not, we don't live in desperate conditions in desperate times. It's kind of harder for us to be all in. Now, I've traveled in Africa. Some of you have traveled in Mexico. Some of you have traveled other places. And you'll find some people who are all in. Over time, let's, please, let's build an all-in prayer life. Let's do it. Please. I'm saying that on behalf of Abba. Not because I'm leading some, you know, a faith community. That's what he wants. An abiding prayer life, an all-in prayer life, it becomes one that never stops. This is kind of what I realize when I look back now. I'm kind of like never ever not praying. Sometimes in the spirit. Sometimes in just little things that slip out in my mouth. I don't know how that happened. He did it. But I let him. The abiding... (laughs) When it becomes that way, here's what happens. The abiding presence of the Almighty God is upon me. It's a testimony. It's, It's a testimony from Abba that says, Son... You're here to make a difference. Daughter, you are here to make a difference. I need you on the ground in that role. We Now remember, we battle not against flesh and blood. That is not our problem. 
to fight effectively in the war we were born into requires a strength that is found only on our knees. So let's get delivered from the prayer life that wants to convince God of doing what I want. Much of the frustration of prayer comes from that. Effective prayer begins in surrender. I heard one of my most powerful influencers once say, you cannot find your significance until you find your insignificance. That was certainly true in my life. I hunted significance. I never got it from my family or my coaches or my school or my teachers or anything. I didn't even know I needed it. I just ran around looking for it. I hunted significance so long, so hard, not speaking ill of self-confidence here. I'm not. Don't, But don't get it twisted. It's just that self-confidence always ultimately disappoints. It doesn't stick around. Why? Because it's limited to self. It ends where I end. If you look at Sherry's and my lives... <laughs> you'll see we live constantly in realms and constantly face situations way beyond our pedigrees way beyond our training and our titles and our quote rightful place unquote I don't need self-confidence anywhere near like I need God confidence every day I'm not kidding you. It comes from a father who can guide you with his eyes. He looks at us in a certain way and we just know this is now my responsibility. It's the, it's the absolute utter, the, the fancy word is fealty. And it means, it means no, no conditions. Absolute loyalty beyond loyalty to the heart of God. It's, it's the abandonment to the will of, the God, of, of God. We'll find ourselves praying simple prayers that, more he- that move heaven and earth because they come out of abiding. They come out of surrender, the acknowledgement that God is with me, not as a theological statement, but as an experience. I sense the might, the, the, the beauty, the wonder, the majesty, the magnificence of the Almighty God who has assigned me to do something. I remind you that in Luke 4, before he could do any miracles, Jesus himself said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And then and only then did he announce why. It wasn't arrogance. In abiding presence, there is courage and strength to declare truth. Not permission to be offensive. It's just the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to open the eyes of the blind, to declare the favorable year of the Lord, and and on and on and on. And he had not yet done a single one of those things. The most important ministry of all ministries is prayer. By far and away, worship and prayer. 
It's not empty declaration. It comes out of abiding presence. Digging our heels in. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, no. I, I know the heart of God. I know the mind of God. I know why I'm here. I am here with a purpose to bring an end to that right there. It's not a careless prayer. You ask, okay, John. No, I'm not going to stop there. Several times this week it's already happened. Cancer. No. 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 Addiction. No. COVID. Hell no. No. Not on my shift. Mm-mm. Nope. Not cavalier. Not braggadocio. Not because I summoned it out of my... Mm-mm. No. It comes out of my abiding presence. Because I heard it from the Father. That's why I put you there, son. No. Remember the verse in Matthew? Bind and loose? Well, how do I know what to bind? How do I know what to loose? How do I know that my backer's backing me? Go to the top. If my people abide, abide, abide. You ask, okay, John, what do I do from here? What are my next steps? Here are some just some just some suggestions. Next slide, please, Tim. I mean, I should have said, I think it's slide nine. Yeah, do this. How many of you have ever heard of the name Bill Johnson? Senior leader of Bethel Church, been around 40 plus years, probably close to 50 now. Do you know I learned this last week that he prays the disciples' prayer twice a day, every day, and has for all those decades? I never knew that. And we know, like we haven't been to his house and dinner. I mean, he's never come over and washed my car, but we could, we know the guy, you know. I think he's had an okay influence from a kingdom standpoint. Pray the disciples' prayer daily. And invest the time in it. Come hang out with some other people who, for the most part, are just doing their best to seek his face and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways to abide in his presence on Saturdays and Sundays. And guess what? I want it so bad, I don't care. If you if Saturdays is a horrible day to have it, I picked it out because I thought the Spirit said to. Look, maybe, I don't know, maybe Tuesdays at 10.30 is the right time to do that. Maybe Wednesday nights is the time to do that. Maybe we should add another time. Maybe we should drop Saturdays and do something else. I don't care. Whatever it takes, just tell me. Whatever the Spirit's telling you, we'll change it. Because there's nothing more important to you, to your family, to our region than this.
finally, become a becomer. Become a beholder. Right now. When you get home, when you get other places, partake communion. We're going to do that right now. I don't need to send you or commission you to do this today. Instead, it's an invitation to come in. It's a summons. Come. Come into the courts of the king. I give you my, gave you my name for a reason. Come in. Learn to recognize my countenance. Learn to pick up my heartbeat. You don't have to go get it. It's on the tables. Hang on. Stop. We're going to do something strange and different. Learn to pick up my heartbeat, the Father says. It's in that abiding partnership that my purposes, that your Father says, will be accomplished. If you look on your table, if you look on the tables, there are communion elements already. Here's the thing we're going to do different. It's the Lord's table. If you're not at a table, if you need help, great. Pick up a chair, come to a table. Bring your chair to a table. Now, there are a couple people in the room who can't do that easily. We'll bring the elements to you. Yeah, there's a... uh Uh-huh. There are open chairs at tables if you're not already at one. We're going to play a video. And it's just to set the atmosphere. It's just to give you private moment to do business with Holy Spirit. Every one of us to some extent or another, is a prisoner. I don't think you heard me. Every one of us, to some extent or another, is a prisoner. The song that my friend whom I've never met, Zach Williams, is going to sing us today is sung in Harding Prison. And if you look at the faces, if you look at Zach's countenance as the song changes, and you look at the prisoner's countenance as the song goes on, you'll see something. You'll see a shift in the atmosphere. This is in a prison. So just, okay, we don't have the uniforms on and the bars and the guards and the, and the razor wire, the concertina wire. Some of us have a prison of other people's expectations. We need to walk out of. Some people have a prisoner of addiction. Some people have a prisoner of a, of a, of a poverty mentality, of orphan spirit. Some people have a prisoner of physical dis, physical disability. Whatever. We all have them. I got a couple jail cells that I camp out in too much. One of them is procrastination. Let's just accept God's invitation to come 
to the table. The words of this song actually say the words of John 13 and 1 Corinthians 11 beautifully, just in a different way. So that's your communion meditation. That's your scripture citation. Just take in the song. Do business with Holy Spirit. Accept his summons, his invitation to come. Whenever you're ready, let's cut the lights and play it. finding myself in the wrong places at the wrong time. I could have easily been where you guys are right now. Um, honestly, sometimes I think about it and I can't believe that I'm, that I'm not been. But I have a heart for you guys. I have a heart for, for this ministry and for where you guys are at, man. I just love to look out here and see some smiles on your faces and know that maybe my story can give you guys a little bit of hope and just to know that if God can save my life and, and, and can do it for me, He can do it for you. This next song is just kind of this idea that if you can imagine a table that's as far as you can possibly see, and there's already a chair sitting there with your name, remember, waiting for you to come pull it you're out. just doing business we, with the Holy the Spirit individually, person. Lord, he's already made Take it easy, the elements. Had it just been for me, when you're just one of you, he would have bled on that cross and died for your sins. So if you can just imagine taking all your junk and all your problems and your worries and your troubles and just laying them at the feet of the cross laying him on this table he can take the biggest mess and turn it into the biggest message amen
pleased to tell you you didn't come to church today. I'm pleased to tell you that you came to a deeper or new existence. I'm pleased to tell you that from this day forward, your priorities shift. From this moment forward, may you no longer fight against flesh and blood. May you no longer mistake people or people groups for the enemy. May we all humble ourselves and pray. And seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. May we then hear from heaven. May we then have God forgive our sin and heal our land. May you come close to his countenance, his beautiful and all-powerful loving eyes and heart. May you truly abide in the presence of a perfect and loving Father. May you be transformed and transform the world around you. Amen. Thank you for coming today. Today it shifts. Today it changes. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m., held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the joy life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.